Anybody read ahead in 1 Corinthians this week? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the passage that we are preaching on, or I'll be preaching on today. Um, and I wanted to let you know that out of all the passages I've ever preached, and I've preached a lot of them, this one is by far the one that I've preached the most. Now, some people said, is that because when you get like writer's block, you, this is your go-to passage? Nope. I'll tell you why. This happens to be the passage that I preach on the most, or that I have preached on the most. Over the course of the last 30, 35 years, I have done somewhere between two and 300 weddings. I've officiated at somewhere between two and 300 weddings. And usually what I do is I try, I encourage the couple to pick a passage of scripture that they want me to preach on at their wedding. And more than half the time, they will choose 1 Corinthians 13. And if you've read 1 Corinthians 13 recently, you'll know why. Because it's known as what? The love chapter. Very good. And who doesn't want to talk about love on the day they get married, right? Here's what's ironic, however. I suspect, though I can't read his mind, but just knowing from context, I suspect the Apostle Paul was not thinking about marriage or people's wedding days at all when he first penned these words about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, uh, Pastor Billy is far more of a Greek scholar than I am. The New Testament was written in Greek, but Paul's letters to um, the Corinthian church were written in Greek. So uh, I'm going to share some things with you that are a little bit outside of my comfort zone. So if you really want to know more about Greek language, talk to Billy. But in, in uh, Greek, we use, when we use the word love, we mean love for just about every kind of love you can imagine. But the Greeks had three words for love. One was eros, which is more like sensual or sexual love. They also had a, a word for friendship love, the love that you feel for a friend, which is philios. And then they had another word for love called agape. Now agape love is different than the other two. It's same in some respects, but it's different. In fact, um, I would suggest to you that um, the thing that makes it unique is that agape love is a choice primarily. Agape love is a choice. And that's the kind of love that Paul's going to be talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, philios, as I said, is about friendship. You know, is it, you know, because they're a good friend, I, I love them. They're worthy of my, my friendship and my love. Eros, the feelings of love. Um, agape, it's different. So what does agape love look like? Well, let's find out. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians 13. If you're using one of the church Bibles, um, that's on page 1140. Uh, Pastor Billy likes to say we love that our church Bibles go missing. If you need a Bible at home or if you have a friend that needs a Bible, take that Bible home. The more Bibles we have to buy, the more it means that the Word of God is getting spread throughout the world. So... Um, the context for 1 Corinthians 13 is this. Um, as you think back, again, for those of you who are guests or visitors with us, we have been preaching through first, and we're going to be into 2 Corinthians before the year is over. That's the whole year is going to be dedicated to um, First and 2 Corinthians. And as I think back of the last several months, the first few months of the year, and I think about what Paul was addressing um, in 1 Corinthians thus far, he's basically been talking about the problems or the dysfunctions in this new church called Corinth, right? 
he has addressed things like jealousy and pride and judgmentalism and sexual sin. He's talked about a lot of other things too, but on the, on the surface, those are the things that come to mind. And in essence, you can put it all into one basket of dysfunction. They, are, they were a broken group of people. And they were living out that brokenness in the midst of their fellowship, which is just part of being human, right? Well, as we move into 1 Corinthians 13, you get the impression that the Apostle Paul has, has made a decision. He's thinking, you know what? If these folks are going to make it, if this church is going to succeed, if they're going to be successful in living the Christian faith that we have imparted to them, we've got to go back to the basics. So you're, and he decides that he's going to use one of these coaching techniques that, you know, when a coach comes, when they realize their team is, is not playing great and they just need to go back to the, the fundamentals, they go, this is a ball. That's, I mean, that's how far back to the fundamentals they go. That's what he's doing today. He's coming up to them. And he's saying, this is a ball. And he's realizing that they need to learn about love. So, how do you do that? Where do I start? He's thinking. And he realizes maybe the place to start is with the last dysfunction that they just addressed. And if you were here last week, you'll remember, or last two weeks, you'll know that the, the most recent dysfunction that the Corinthian church was dealing with was the debate and the, the battles they were having over spiritual gifts of all things, right? So what Paul does is he uses that as the platform to teach them the fundamentals of what the ball is, of what love is. He says, he, he, he picks out some of their favorite gifts, things like tongues. They loved speak, people who could speak in tongues in the Corinthian church. They loved prophecy and knowledge. And he, and he says this in essence to them in the first three verses. He says, I know you love these verses. I, I know you love these gifts, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you are exercising these gifts without love, you're doing it wrong. And they're going, wait a minute. Because they were so prideful in their gifts, right? They're, what do you mean I'm doing it wrong? You're doing it wrong if you're not doing it with love. And my suspicion is that the reason why you're doing it wrong, why you're not doing it with love, is because you don't even know what love is. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second and suggest to you that I don't think most of you know what love is. If I were to go around the congregation today, take the time to ask each one of you to define for me what love is, my guess is you would, most of you would stammer and stutter. And you would ultimately come back to thinking, well, I don't know exactly how to, to define it, but I know it when I see it. Or when I see it, or even better, I know it when I feel it. Right? Well, Paul didn't have that problem. He very specifically knew what love was. And he says, I'm going to tell you what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 4, he says this. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not envious and boastful. Nor is it selfish or irritable. Some of you just looked at your spouses when I said that, didn't you? I, I made sure that I didn't look at Lisa. Love is not selfish or irritable or resentful, nor does it 
it celebrate in wrongdoing, but instead it rejoices in the truth. Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. Love, this kind of love, never fails. Agape love. That's what, we, what, I just, what he just described for you. That is agape love. And, and when he said love never fails, when he said agape love never fails, what he was really trying to say, or one of the things he was trying to say, is that some of that other kind of love that we love to embrace, the eros love and the philia, that, that love will fail you. You want to know why it will fail you? Because uh, eros love is feelings dependent. And your feelings change. Sometimes you don't have feelings. They're just not there. So it'll fail. Or sometimes the philios or the friendship kind of love fails you because your friends um, prove that they're not worthy of your friendship because they do bad things or they let you down, right? That kind of love fails. The kind of love that he just described, agape love, never fails. You want to know why? Because it's not about the other person. It's about a choice that you make. What is love? Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious and boastful. Nor is it selfish or irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. Love hopes all things. I'm, when I love you, I, I hope for the best for you. Love believes all things. I believe the best about you. Love endures all things. That even when you're not worthy of the hope and the belief that I put in you, I'm choosing to love you anyway. You see? You see how that kind of love never fails? Because it's not dependent on whether or not somebody else does what they're supposed to do or you feel what you're supposed to feel. It's a choice that you make. Do you get that? Do you see the difference in that? If I were to sum up for you what agape love is in one sentence, it would simply be this. To agape love is to love like Jesus. You know, I am not the smartest guy in the world. That's why one of the reasons why I love Prairie Bible Church is because we keep it simple and we keep it authentic and we keep it all about Jesus. And if you want to know what love looks like, it looks like Jesus. I mean, think about it. He is the epitome of selfless love. He is the epitome of loving people who don't deserve to be loved. He is the epitome of offering and doing and being no matter what because he chose to love. Not because we deserve it. He chose to. Jesus is love. When I was 17 years old, I met the most beautiful girl in the world. Her name was Lisa. Her name is still Lisa, and she's sitting right over there. I fell head over heels in love with her the first time I saw her. It was like love at first sight for me. 
At least I didn't even, I was afraid to ask you for a service. Did you fall head over heels in love with me? Jeez, we, there's the answer. I, she was all I could think about for weeks. I remember sitting in Mr. Quick's social studies class at Newton High School and getting in trouble because I was daydreaming about Lisa. I prayed that that feeling would never go away. It was so beautiful. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I, I, I was in love with love, and her name was Lisa. That's what love was for me then. But as time passed, and we got to know each other a little bit better, um, you know, I, I prayed that that feeling would never go away. Well, it did. It was, it was different anyway. The more I got to know her, the more I was convinced that she was the person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. It was different, but it was, in some ways, it was more real. You know what I mean? Because I could see who she was differently, and it wasn't all wrapped up in those feelings. The feelings were still there, but now I could see more clearly. And I wanted to spend the rest of my life. That was love. And then some more time passed. <laughs> and we both discovered that loving each other is hard. Say amen, Lisa. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> we both discovered that love um, requires sacrifice sometimes. Right? That sometimes love, loving another person doesn't feel good. Sometimes you don't even want to do it, but you do. You choose to, right? And in those moments when, when you love, when you choose to love, when it doesn't even feel like you want to, and you're not even sure you want to spend the rest of your life, but you choose to. And that happens to everybody and in every marriage, by the way. That is real love. You know, I mentioned earlier that um, I didn't think that the Apostle Paul had marriage in mind when he penned these words, and I still don't think he did. But I am convinced that marriage is the perfect laboratory to learn this kind of love, agape love. Is it the only place? Of course not. And it's certainly not the only place in which agape love is meant to be lived out. Did you know that agape love is meant to be lived out in the grocery line? It is. Did you know that agape love is meant to be lived at work and at school and at church? It's that love that is a choice. And, and when, you choose, when you make that choice, everyone and everything is better. When you love that way. When Paul said love never fails, he, didn't talk, he wasn't talking about eros love or philios love. What was he talking about? Agape love. The selfless other-centered, Jesus-centered love. 
That kind of love makes everyone and everything better. I was um, after church, the first service, some, a lady came up to me and she said, I, I experienced agape love at, at the grocery store today, or this past week, Pastor. And I said, really? And she goes, she said, yeah, there's a young man saw me struggling to get my bags from my, from my card into my, and he stopped and asked if, if, he, if I needed some help. And I said, did that make you feel better? I guarantee it made him feel better. Because it makes everything better. It's not always going to feel good. And it's not always going to be the person that you're trying to love or want to love may not even be worthy. But none of that is the point. This love is a choice. If, you've, if it's been a while in your life, or maybe you've never experienced that kind of love, the best way to, um, to experience that love is to receive it from Jesus. Because today, at this very moment, He's offering it to you. He is offering love to you even though you don't deserve it. When he was hanging on the cross, I can guarantee you he wasn't feeling it. But he chose it because he chose you. Because that is the love that never fails. And he's offering it to you today. If you've, ever, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, that's the kind of love, that's the thing that he's offering to you. And today maybe is the day that maybe you should. So, if you um, would like to pray a prayer of love, of salvation, and lordship, it would be my privilege as your pastor to pray that prayer with you. Uh, you don't need me to pray that prayer. You can do it all by yourself or you and the Lord. But if you'd like to pray that prayer with your pastor, if you've got something else going on in your life that you'd like to pray for, right over there, that open door is our prayer room. I'll meet you right over there.